want to think this evening with you, speak to you about the sign of baptism. The sign of baptism. Signs are a useful part of our lives. We need signs to travel from one place to another, don't we? Poor or tampered with signs cause our journey to be problematic. I'm heading to Wexford on Thursday, all been well, and sometimes the signs down south are not that helpful or pointing in the right direction. Street signs are helpful to us when we're looking for friends or relations, and we're delighted when we see the sign that the address has. We know we've arrived or are close to the house that we're searching for. Signs in the weather are helpful to us. A dark sky will indicate to us that perhaps the washing should be hung inside rather than outside our house. A red sky in the morning might indicate to us that shorts might not be the best apparel to go out with that day. Signs are helpful to us, but they can also be distracting. Some people can be fascinated with the sign rather than the thing that the sign is pointing to. So some people, for whatever reason, have a sign of Anfield Road in their bedroom. Why anyone would want to have that, I'm just not quite sure. Other people perhaps might be fascinated by the sign to Newton Ards, whereas the reality of Newton Ards, the Scrabble Tower, Del Piero's, Strangford Loch, is far greater than the sign to this town. And I wonder sometimes if the weather forecaster ever enjoys the weather that they forecast or are they always concentrating on the signs of what is to come and they never get out to enjoy the weather that they are indicating is going to come. And so this evening we don't want to focus so much on the sign of baptism but on what baptism signifies, the reality that it is pointing to. And baptism that we're administering this evening to Katie and Eliana is pointing to a living, saving, personal relationship with God. A relationship of love and forgiveness and friendship and life. The water that will be administered is a sign of cleansing, of washing, by the God of heaven. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person and transforming them. Baptism that we have this evening is not the reality, but it is pointing to a spiritual reality that we desire will be fulfilled in Eliana's and Katie's life, and indeed the life of all who have been baptized in church this evening. The baptismal formula is that we baptize the person, Katie, Eliana, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'll use that formula later on in our service. It's it's indicating a relationship with God, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Baptism is pointing to the reality which we hope has taken place in their young hearts, will take place in their young hearts, maybe will happen this evening between them and the living 
God of heaven. So baptism is the sign. It's pointing to something. It's pointing to a relationship with the living and true God of heaven. And we want to think of what that relationship is this evening. Often in Presbyterian churches, we have three points. And I have three points this evening. And they're based on the verse that we have in Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. So in the verse, the word to is mentioned a number of times. So the experience of the Thessalonians is that they turned to God to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. They turned to God, the living relationship, to serve the living and true God, the loving relationship, and to wait for his son from heaven, the lasting relationship. So as we think of baptism this evening, it's pointing to the reality of a relationship with God. It's what we pray will be the experience of these young girls and will be the experience of all of us as we worship God this evening. Let's think of the, the living uh, relationship. They turn to God from idols. Now Thessalonica was a large city, 100,000 people, perhaps 200,000 people massive. And it was founded around 351 BC. It had grown over the centuries. It was the capital of the region of Macedonia. It lay on this important trade route from east to west. And so all kinds of guilds, all kinds of nationalities, all kinds of peoples came to this massive city. And they brought their gods, their religions to this city. And they considered the gods to be important, to be influential in their lives and experience. They had gods for war. They had gods for each trade guild. They had gods for prosperity. They had gods to provide family and children. And they sought to please those gods. And they worshipped those gods. But when the people that were now in the church that the Apostle Paul was writing to, became Christians. They turned from idols to God. The word idols used in our verse here literally means shadows. We have the expression, the person's clutching at shadows. The shadow is insubstantial. It's not real. It cannot do anything. This person is wasting their time. They're clutching at shadows. And so the many idols, the many gods in Thessalonica were insubstantial. They couldn't hear. They couldn't smell. They couldn't act. They couldn't speak. They couldn't see. All that the people in Thessalonica were doing was empty, futile, false. But the people who became Christians, they turned away from those shadows from those false gods to the living and true God, the God who hears our prayers, the God who is with all who trust in him as Savior, the God who responds to us as we confess our sins and believe in his son Jesus, the God who is with us this evening. 
baptism points to a living relationship with the living God. We have relationships with other human beings, don't we? Perhaps in our workplace, within our family, perhaps in our street, in our neighborhood, or the the club that we're involved in. We have relationships with other human beings. We don't have relationships with nature. Some people might be tree huggers. Some people might speak to their plants as they water them, encouraging them to grow and and the flowers to come. But there's no living, meaningful relationship with, with those plants as there is with one another. Baptism symbolizes not a relationship with one another, but a living relationship with God. They turned from idols, those shadows, to God for our living, personal relationship with Almighty God of heaven. Baptism is into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then administering baptism, we're we're speaking out against the trend of county down, of becoming agnostic and atheistic. There's a rising adherence to atheism within our communities, that there is no God, there is no supreme ruler or, or being in heaven who determines all things, who hears us when we cry to him for mercy. In baptism... We are asserting that there is the living and true God. And that we are to have a relationship with him. But is this relationship important? Is knowing the living and true God important? It's important for God, isn't it? It's important for him to be worshipped, to be loved, to be respected, to be honoured. We're hurt when we're not acknowledged for what we do. If you cooked dinner today, were you thanked? If someone cooked for you, did you thank them? God in heaven who has made all things, who provides for us the good things of our life, is to be worshipped, loved, obeyed, feared, trusted. It's important for God, but it's important for us as well. Each one of us has a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. And only God in heaven can fill that vacuum in our lives. People think that money will bring us ultimate satisfaction. Others think power will bring us ultimate satisfaction. Some think education or promotion in our workplace will bring us that deep and ultimate satisfaction. Only God, who has made us like him and for him, can fill that God-shaped vacuum in our life. And so this living relationship with God is important for God. It's important for you, for I, for Eliana, for Katie. But baptism speaks about this relationship. Secondly, that it is a a loving relationship. And this is our, our second phrase, to serve the living and true God. 
Now, Thessalonica, being a large city, as you can imagine, in the first century, was familiar with serving. They had many slaves in the first century, millions of slaves across the Roman Empire, and there were thousands in the city of Thessalonica. The slave had no rights of his or her own. She was at the beck and call of her master. There were many loving masters and caring masters who advanced the education and comfort of the slave, but the bottom line was they served their master. Thessalonica was knowledgeable about serving in another level in 42 BC because they backed the emperor Octavian. They were granted to be a free city. They could make their own laws. They could appoint their own magistrates. They were under the Roman authority, but they had many freedoms to live and operate in the best way for their community. Serving the living God, in this phrase, is used not in the sense of the free city, but in the sense of the slave. Jesus is our master. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our king. And baptism symbolizes that submission to Jesus Christ. When we become a Christian, we turn away from the values and mindset and priorities that we once had. And we submit our wills and our values and our ideals to the Lord Jesus Christ. We become his followers, his disciples, his servants. But that relationship is a loving relationship. Jesus is our Lord. We are his servants, but there's a bond of love and of grace that exists between master and servant. And so we speak the truth because our Lord speaks the truth. We try to have pure thoughts about members of the opposite sex because our Lord and Master is pure. We engage in deeds of love because our Master is a God of love. Now at the, the threat of annoying my wife at this point who's told me off about having too many sermons too many illustrations about Wimbledon. I'm going to use a Wimbledon illustration. The, the ball boys at Wimbledon and girls, the 250 of them, you don't see them complaining. They're doing humble work, aren't they? Fetching a towel here, running for a bottle of water there, lifting balls off the court, keeping a low profile in the background, in the sidelines. They're privileged to be in the presence of such great talent. And that is the idea in our text of serving the living and true God. We are the servants of the great God of heaven, but that relationship is a privilege, it's an honor, it's a blessing, it's a loving relationship for us. In the baptismal formula, Jesus goes on to say that those who are baptized are to be taught all things that he has commanded us. Baptism this evening is just the beginning of a journey for Katie and Eliana. And in this journey, they will be taught the ways of Christ, 
how to be a servant of the Lord Jesus, to give their lives in honor and worship unto him. And as Jonathan and Rachel and myself have spoken, the home is one of the main influences on their little girls. The attitude of parents to our work, to our finances, to education will rub off on our children and our attitude to God will affect them. The church also is an influence on our children as they sit with us in the church pew and see daddy and mummy humble before the word of God, responding to it with grace and humility and obedience, being taught the ways of Christ, how to be a servant of our Lord and Savior. Baptism points to a living relationship with God. It points to a loving relationship with God. And thirdly, it points to a lasting relationship with God. In our verse, we read that we are to wait for his son from heaven. The verse indicates that Jesus, the historical Jesus, the one who lived in in Nazareth, He died for our sins upon the cross. He was buried and and was there for three days. And he rose again and ascended into heaven, having triumphed over Satan and death and sin. And that Jesus, who was here in this world, is going to come again. And Christians are waiting for God's Son from heaven. In Thessalonica, there was an influence of people from one political, one particular party who didn't believe in resurrection. The philosophers of the day, their prominent view was that when our life ends, there is nothing beyond that. But the Christian position is that Jesus has died. Jesus has risen again. Jesus has ascended into heaven. And we are waiting for God's Son from heaven. Perhaps you think about how the world will end. Perhaps like Elon Musk, you are concerned about how things are going to work out. Perhaps you really enjoy this balmy weather, but but you think... Something's gone wrong somewhere for us to be getting so much heat and sunshine. And that concerns you. The Bible tells us how our world is going to end. Jesus, who has died and has risen again, will come again. And all who are his followers and who trust in him will be taken with him into the glory of heaven. You see how our verse puts this in in negative terms. Jesus, in verse 10, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The verse doesn't speak about the the glory of heaven into which we will certainly enter as we trust in Jesus, but it speaks about the awful judgment that we will be saved from. And this gives to us this evening the importance that the, the sign of baptism is fulfilled in the life of Katie and Eliana. 
that they will know what it signifies, that its reality will be in their lives and in the life of every one of us in this building this evening, that we on that last day will be delivered from the wrath to come. Jonathan's family live close together, I think, quite a number of them, out the back, round the corner. Rachel's family lives further apart. And it is wonderful that Alison is here this evening and, and her family. And when, as I have a brother in Germany, when we know that family member is coming, we wait for them. We think about it regularly. We look forward to that meeting, that reunion, that joining together. And so the Christian is waiting for Jesus, who has loved us, who has died for us, who has risen again. Perhaps you are baptized, and the reality of baptism you have experienced in your life. This should be a dimension of your daily experience, that you are waiting for God's Son from heaven. Perhaps you're a young person and there's a lot of choices to be made and a lot of excitement in your life about your career, about your relationships, about your future. Yet in all of that, you're to be waiting for God's Son from heaven. Perhaps you're in middle life with all its challenges and and, and responsibilities and, and life is so busy. And yet in the presence of all your duties and all the bills you have to pay, You're to be waiting for God's Son from heaven. Perhaps you're baptized or you're not baptized and the reality of baptism hasn't been realized yet in your life. You have not yet turned to God as these people did. You have not yet repented of your sin or believed in Jesus Christ. You want to. You plan to, perhaps. Well, this text encourages you not to delay because of the wrath to come. So tonight we understand the sign of baptism. Baptism does not make Katie or Eliana a Christian, but it points to what a Christian is, a person in a living, loving, lasting relationship with God. So tonight we pray that the outward sign of baptism will have the corresponding reality in their hearts, in the hearts of every child in our congregation who has been baptized, and in the heart of every adult. Scrabble Tower is not what it used to be. It used to be a bustling place with with soldiers, an important place, an outpost, a a lookout. It it has a majesty. It has an impressive bearing. It's situated in a prime spot. But but I've never been in it. The place is usually closed and, and vacant and desolate. It's a shadow of what it used to be. Baptism sprinkling of water Katie and Eliana is a sign but our desire is that the substance will be realized in their life that they will know a living 
loving relationship with God.